0: I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Thomas once again with Hardway MBA. Uh, thank you for your time and attention. I've got a wonderful guest to introduce you to today. I'm very excited to speak with Ashley Nanny, uh, founder and, and uh, amazing entrepreneur running Feed Your Vitality. Uh, Ashley was introduced to us by a former guest, Brandon Dempsey. Um, if you guys haven't, haven't listened to Brandon's uh, uh, interview, you should certainly look back a few episodes. It's well worth the listen. Ashley, can you just take a, a couple of minutes and, and, you know, introduce yourself to uh, to my guests here?
1: Sure. Hi, Jason, and thank you for having me. I appreciate you, and I can't agree with you more about Brandon. He's phenomenal. So, I am the founder of Feed Your Vitality. We are a meal delivery company in St. Louis that makes healthy food taste naughty and delivers it all over St. Louis. We focus on foods that are uh, anti-inflammatory in nature and Put them together so that you uh, are actually reducing or hopefully limiting the inflammation in your body. That most doctors, it's the doc- diet most doctors are recommending in some form or another, be it paleo or anti inflammatory or detox dieting, whatever you call it. It's just kind of a lifestyle, low carb.
0: That's great. Uh, you know, I, uh, I have my own, I think we all have our own personal eating habits, and I have my own personal battle with with my eating habits because i really like food so i and i like all kinds of food um, right. equally so uh, i'm excited to hear some of these things just from a very personal you know what are you what are you doing to make yourself healthier and your, your clients healthier but uh, something you've already said caught my attention it's a great tagline healthy food uh tastes naughty making that healthy food taste naughty i think that's wonderful
1: <laughs> thank you yeah, I uh, I started the business because I was 97 pounds heavier and sent home with hospice at one point in my life, and I felt like when I was asked to make dietary changes, I, I literally honestly remembered thinking, I'm not sure that that's worth it, maybe dying would be a better option, because I was, you don't get 97 pounds heavier without loving food too, so yeah, definitely empathize.
0: So, you know, I, I've had a chance to kind of read through your website and talk to you for a few minutes and, and kind of understand the... Uh, the story behind your business and some of the some of the things that started you off. Share with our listeners here what what drove you to to start a business that's all about healthy food.
1: Yeah, I was uh, when I was sick. Um, my daughter was two at the time. She's 18 now, so it's it's been a while since I was starting the journey of wellness. But it became this passion I had to try to figure out how to how to shift to a healthier lifestyle, but not give up. Um, the flavors and passions that I had about food. And I tried a lot of different things. I tried macrobiotics. I tried raw food. I tried vegan. I tried, I was vegetarian for 15 years. And through that journey, I just, uh, I experienced um, improvements in health. But when I hit 40 and my metabolism kind of tanked and I was just not feeling as good as I had been, I had a couple of different doctors say, try the paleo diet or an anti-inflammatory diet. I wasn't really familiar with it. I just knew that, um, that was another huge shift. So I shifted over, started eating that way. And I did what most people do. I totally enrolled a girlfriend into, you have to do this with me. And we were actually, uh, chefing for people in their homes at that point, just doing, making meals and, and leaving them for people so that they had good food to eat during the week. And the health benefits that I experienced, the shift in my health in that 30 day period was nothing shy of riveting. It was just the first time I had really ever felt totally well and totally energetic and everything that I really experienced that healthy people would experience um, in my life. And so, and she was feeling the same way. She was coming more from just kind of a standard American diet that was um, uh, incorporating some whole foods, but certainly not an anti-inflammatory thinking. And we both felt so amazing. We decided, hey, let's enroll everyone that we're chefing for and have them do it for 30 days just to see what their experience is and see if this is real or kind of a fluke. We shifted everyone over, um, and they kind of had the same experience. They kicked and screamed through that first week because it was harder, and they kept saying, by the time this is over, you're going to make me my favorite this or my favorite that, and we're saying, absolutely, just stick with it. But every single one of them after the 30-day period said, no, I feel too good. I'm sticking with it. But what was more amazing to me, Jason, was a year later, 96% of them were still doing it whether or not we were chefing for them. So it was the first time I really saw something that that was doable um, and that people could stick with as a lifestyle and not just something that they kind of fell in and out of when they weren't feeling well. Um, So that's kind of where things started. We started getting so much demand that it was impossible to go to people's homes, uh, we moved into the St. Patrick Center's commissary kitchen with full expectation of chefing for about 25 people and being able to kayak on the weekends, and the rest <laughs> is history. I haven't been kayaking since, and we're in our third year of operation, <laughs> and so someday I'll kayak again.
0: <laughs> well, I want to get back to the kayaking, but... but I. <laughs> A couple of things have come up in my mind here as you're you're walking through this, and some fundamental about the diet, because it, I mean you, your business is really based on some, for lack of a better word, food technologies that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. New knowledge about food, right? Um, relatively new, I think. And and then, kind of the second the second track there is, you have that, but then you did something that made it very sustainable and you made a business out of that, which are two separate things. Can you start with the food piece though? Cause I think having some basic understanding of what you're talking about with paleo um, and some of these other terms you've thrown about will help listeners track everything else.
1: Sure. So the kind of common denominator that we were seeing is doctors say frequently shop the perimeter of the grocery store, stay away from processed foods Get the whole foods back in your diet, kind of that from the earth thinking, um, which intuitively made sense to me, and that's what the diet is based on how do you how do you stay away from the things that cause inflammation in the system, believing that inflammation is the cornerstone of all disease? the more we can get inflammation out of our bodies, the more our bodies have the ability to just kind of heal if you think about when you have a cold and you have a a congested nose the more you eat certain foods you want ice cream and sugar and things like that because it's just you don't care you don't want to feel you just to eat anything at that point but it causes more mucus to form in your um in your body it's the same thing that's kind of going on on a chronic level so doctors are getting you to eat that perimeter of the grocery store to get those inflammatory foods out of your diet even if it's not languaged that way a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, so we started eating to support getting inflammation out of our bodies. And what we found was we're a very convenience-based society. So the idea of having to prepare food and and um, the level of, of shopping and preparation and cooking and things like that to get away from processed foods makes it a little tough, right? Because it's not just a grab-and-go item and we're, we're busy people. So the idea of having to now add an entire cook day to cook for the week or cooking every single day or every single meal is daunting for a lot of people. So we started doing that part for you. If we have to do it for ourselves, we're already in the kitchen making it happen and we know how to make it taste great. Um, What if we were doing that for other people as well is where the concept started. And then, like I said, it just got bigger and bigger. So we started making meals and we realized that, you know, the way life happens is you don't need meal plans that say I need five days a week, three meals a day. Some people do, but the truth is life happens. You end up going out to lunch. You end up, you know, changing plans for dinner. So we made the line 98% of it freezeable, so that if you didn't need it fresh, you can put it in your freezer. Or we have people that drive in from uh, other cities or states and pick up a month's worth of food, stock a deep freeze so that they have healthy options on hand and
0: uh, just come back when they run out. So <laughs> the food being, and the ideas of the food being a lot more natural, organic, whole foods, things that, things that may take a little bit more time to prepare in the kitchen. I, I, exactly. Kind of yes. leads to the business model in that our culture is not set up to give us more time to prepare food in the kitchen. I really like to cook, and I maybe get to do it once a week, maybe, um, because that's the way my life is set up today with with two kids and you know career and uh, all the busyness that we have. And I think I'm probably similar to some of your, your 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 clients, right, your customers, that I would like to do that, but I I I don't for whatever reason. So having and that's where your business model comes in. You give that grab and go option with food that's not typically grab and go, right? With the, the good, heart, healthy, hearty foods.
1: Exactly. And actually, Jason, that's what led to the expansion of us teaching classes. People like you that love to cook, want to do it, um, need some tips on it. All right. On the side I can actually make that happen. How do I maximize my time in the kitchen? Um, And so we we do a little bit of both. We teach people how to do it on their own, fully believing that, you know, I'm a chef if I don't have things on hand. Um, Knowing how doesn't always translate into having the time to make it happen. So we have both legs going on.
0: Yeah, that's great. So um, paleo, you've used the word paleo. You've talked about some anti-inflammatory or some foods that cause inflammation, Give us an example of some of the foods that, that cause inflammation. I want to go back to the food piece so that I, I, I can hear people uh, already saying, wait, you're telling me that I need to eat this stuff. And if I haven't really been paying attention to, you know, this this discussion that's going on around the, the water cooler, like, like what the heck is paleo? What, what the, fill, fill us in on some of those details.
1: Sure. So that one of the foods that I didn't realize was causing a lot of inflammation for me. And I, I want to say that, first of all, we don't recommend diets for anyone or lifestyles for anyone. We've kind of chef for what your doctor's recommending. But what we commonly see is they're the same ingredients that doctors are taking out no matter what the diet is, if it's an SCD diet, if it's a GAPS diet, if it's a paleo diet, an anti-inflammatory diet, all of those are kind of removing a lot of similar foods and the common denominator in that is the inflammation. So one of the things that was causing, like I said, inflammation that I wasn't aware of were grains. Um, So coming from a whole foods diet and vegetarian and all of the thinking that I thought was really working for me, um, I didn't realize that I was causing this kind of chronic, low-lying, allergic state for my immune system. Um, and that's not to say no one can eat grains, but it was definitely triggering something in the background that I didn't realize was there. You see a lot of people go gluten-free, for example, that's one of the grains that can be highly allergic. Um, a lot of other people are triggered by corn or soy or some of the ingredients that you see that are in every single item in our pantry. Um, by eliminating those, we frequently see that people's Inflammation levels start to reduce, and they start to feel better naturally. The so the only flowers that we use, for example, are ground almonds or ground coconut, or we're now using ground sunflower seeds as well.
0: Okay, great. So if I'm interested, and I'm and I'm going a little bit further down this rabbit hole than I than I wanted to, but I my interest <laughs> won't let me stop. My curiosity <laughs> just won't let me stop. If I want to know. I, you know, I, I want to be, I believe this, I'm buying in. How do I, how do I measure inflammation? How do I know if this is a, like really a problem I'm having today?
1: Sure. If you look at, um, the theory behind it is all of the itises that happen, cyanitis, bronchitis, any of those, those types of things that are kind of a precursor to more serious disease, like heart disease, diabetes, any of those types of things. Um, there is, itis is an inflammation, right? So it's, it's swelling of, or inflammation of. And so when, how inflammation manifests for a lot of people are, they get migraines or they get joint aches when it's about to rain outside, or they get allergies or, you know, just those typical, my body's a little thrown off. Um, anything that kind of is hitting our immune system. If you're, in a constant state of wellness and you're not feeling anything, then maybe you don't have that chronic inflammation going on. Maybe you do. We, uh, we believe that all of us are at risk of, of that chronic inflammation in some way, depending on what we put in our bodies. We intuitively, Jason, don't pull up to a gas station and throw whatever we decide to that day into our car and expect that system to run. So we're not putting anything but gas, if we start throwing rocks or Twinkies or whatever, then obviously the system's not going to run well, but we don't naturally look at that when we're looking at our food sources, um, for our bodies. And so it's easy to kind of throw our systems off. And it's not to say that, you know, we should only eat anti-inflammatory and never get any inflammation. It's just kind of paying attention to what's causing that, um, in general and then specifically for your body.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, when I wake up this morning and my my back hurts immediately when I get out of bed so much so that I have to lay back down and, and straighten it out, and then I limp up the stairs every morning because of that nagging ankle injury, and I have a headache that I take uh, advil for once a day that's those are those are the things I ought to be looking at right
1: you you could have some inflammation going on
0: yeah okay so i think I think all of that is important for a couple of reasons one I, we bring up these topics, people are going to be curious i'm curious, so I assume other people probably will be and then um, look, if we want to perform our best at work, we have to feel good, right? I, I, I perform better when I feel good. Um, and, and feeding the machine is something that we need to pay a little bit more attention to. So Ashley, thank you for, for kind of trailing down that rabbit hole with me. I know we we hadn't talked about going that deep into the actual diet, but I, I know you're, you're ready to do it at a moment's notice. Obviously. (laughs)
1: pretty passionate um, about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, something you do every day. So, um one of the things that I see and this is obviously a business that started from passion. You guys didn't I, I'm imagining you didn't lay out a uh, you know, a 5-year business plan and have your proformas and and start going after your big venture capital money and and get a million dollars of investment to build this application. You guys started because you were two people that that were seeing the benefits of this and your clients started to see the benefits of it and a business is born.
1: Right. Exactly. So,
0: so, so often I see folks with that kind of passionate start, start to fade or fizzle as kind of the harsh realities of business hit them. Absolutely. Um, what's, what's kept you going? What, what's kind of allowed you to, to keep moving through those, I'm sure hard times you've had.
1: Yeah, I think part of it is that i it's really easy to get attached into a hobby, try to turn it into a business and have it, have it not fit. And I've certainly even gone there. I think having an entrepreneurial mind in the background has been an absolute saving grace because if I had expected that I was going to be able to do this and just be cooking or spend most of my time in the kitchen or sometimes any of my time in the kitchen, um, that would have certainly not worked out. And I, it probably could have, you know, given up very quickly. The Nando, um, Parado, I think is his last name. He is the one from a miracle in the Andes that, uh, survived the plane crash that, uh, and then crawled to the top of the mountain said in a conference that we were attending once, um, had I gotten to the top of the hill and looked out and realized how much was ahead of me, I probably would have never kept going. And so I think the, had we looked at this from a business standpoint, let's put it together. And actually we did have to, when we were moving into the St. Patrick center, put together a, I think we put together a three year forecast looking on it now. And what's funny is we shepherd two, basically two different diets, a detox diet and the um, paleo diet. The paleo diet was something we were really passionate about, but couldn't make work on paper so we're, we just said, well, we'll forget it. We won't do that part right now. That's just kind of where it was coming from. And we'll just focus on this. Um, and that lasted about a month before we decided that the paper just wasn't going to apply, even though it was mm-hmm. the thought out business plan. I think you just have to kind of go where the doors are opening, really align yourself with what's um, intuitively making sense, not only from a passion standpoint, but from a business standpoint but kind of balance those two. I think that it's really important to value and enjoy the the business aspect of anything you're starting um, really deeply. And I think the best advice that I grew up with was having a father that said, success depends on you knowing what you're not good at and getting people around you that are good at that to support you. And that couldn't be more true is really focusing from the get go on. It's hard when you're a startup and you don't have the funding and you can't. um, We didn't know how we were going to have I didn't budget for accounting services, not because I'm good at accounting. Really, it was the antithesis. It's I'm terrible at accounting. I don't even want to think about it. I didn't put even a line item in there. And (laughs) that was really clear right away that that was I and lawyer the same thing. And it was just blatant that that was a bad decision really early before we even opened the doors and uh, between the score office and networking with other people and really being open to talking to other business owners, we ended up having somebody say, you know what? I got you. I'm really excited about what you're doing. I want to provide your accounting services for the first year. And uh, that worked out for us. And then Reuben Brown picked us up and started helping us after that. So it just, really being clear what you're needing support in there's such a great community out there ready to support entrepreneurs and St. Louis is just phenomenal for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to know what you need, what you want and what you're willing to do to, you know, to allow them to help you the number of you know hours and time you can spend, um, allowing that help.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. The St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis startup community is a, a wonderful place. Um, Something you said there about uh, going through doors that are open and and following your gut a little bit. I mean, having the business plan and kind of having a sense of direction for the business, but being flexible enough to capture opportunities when they arise, right? So can you look back or was there a way that you were validating some of those things? Was it – I mean, we we hear a lot now in uh, kind of the technology world where I end up doing a lot of these interviews – uh, about talking to your customers and doing the kind of lean startup methodology, I would imagine with your business, you had kind of direct communication with your customers a lot. I mean, this is a, it's what I'm putting in my body. I care quite a bit about it. Right. Right. Um, how did you guys go about knowing what doors were open and knowing it's time to shift to this paleo? We, it did not make sense on paper, but we've got to.
1: Um. I think the first honest answer was a customer that we had been shopping for um, called and said, "You don't get to stop cooking for me. So figure this out. I don't care what it costs. Make it happen." And it was just like, "Okay." I mean, you just were responding to your customers saying,
0: "Yeah, yeah."
1: Like we had a plethora of other customers on the other diet, it, and it was what we were passionate about. And when you have somebody say, I don't care what it costs, make it happen. And of course that was within reason. He wasn't, you know, saying, Oh, and sky's the limit on price, but it was one of those things that says, I value this. I need this. You don't get to just stop doing it. Um, that really triggered us into, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just try it. And you just, we just started doing it. And then, um, we're lucky enough to have some of the, um, CrossFit gym say, Hey, we're really interested in this. We'll be guinea pigs and test recipes. So it was just literally being willing to say, we don't know what we're doing here. We are testing this out. We may be shifting prices on you. We may be shifting concepts on you. Mm -hmm. We may shift packaging, but are you willing to hang in there with us? Um, and in full disclosure that, that this is new for us. And I think the raw honesty of that, the fact that we were really genuine in our our interest in just um not only making it happen for people, but really trying to respect and honor their feedback and their needs was, you know, refreshing for a lot of people. Um, yeah. as opposed to coming in and saying, We've got this all figured out and we're the experts and you really have, you know, twenty customers.
0: Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, and it it sounds like it it really is kind of the lean startup methodology uh, in a a different way than we think about with tech tech businesses. Same concepts. Yes, absolutely. Um, So as you're going through those, uh, going through some of the hurdles you just outlined there, is anything, at any point, did you guys look at it and say, I don't know if we can get over this one? It might be time to pack it in.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially this summer. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We um we had outgrown our space at the St. Patrick's Center, um, and they were expanding some programming. It was very clear that we were not going to be able to stay there for the long haul, yet we were about a year from um, where we were comfortable as a business moving into a new location. So we didn't get to be comfortable. We just had to figure it out and figure out how we were going to move or how we were going to shut things down. That was just – it was – that choose. And so we started looking at, at buildings in January and found one that we were moving into and, um, started pricing out. Is this something we can afford? What does this look like? Um, and ended up getting some, uh, advice that was, not exactly accurate in terms of what it would take to move in after we had already signed the lease. So we got information up front saying it'll cost this. And then it was very clear right away. It looked like it could cost more than uh, as much as four times that. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And it four times that was way outside my uh, risk tolerance level. It was um, a a terrifying revelation when you've already kind of put everything in and signed it. A commercial lease. Um, So that was that was a scary moment. We kind of had to regroup, reevaluate, get new bids, just kind of do a complete do over, knowing that that was also going to delay our move by several months, which would not allow us to expand during that time. So everything that we had mapped out on paper for the year was suddenly off. Our revenues were going to be off. Our expenses were going to be off. They were unknown. There was just this completely terrifying moment of, Oh my gosh, what have I gotten into yet? You knew you didn't have the chance to kind of even gracefully at all back out. You had a moment of, do you put it all on the line, move forward, cross your fingers, pray and assume it's going to work out and have faith in that. Or do you, try to figure out how to just minimize your loss. Um, And so we decided to move forward and it ended up being a great decision and we're glad that we did it. And we're um, in that process of looking at things and going, Oh, it's not nearly as bad as we had thought, even after the fact, Um, even though it's still, you know, you're still like saying, okay, let's, let's reformulate um, how we, how we shift gears. So Um, It was, it was terrifying, you know, and that's the thing is those push points of when it's time to play bigger or don't play is they're they're stressful, you know, and life doesn't Mm -hmm. stop happening and the kids don't stop needing things. And, you know, those kind (laughs) of things don't stop too. So you're just kind of faced with it all. And it's that moment again, where if you had, if I had any idea when we signed that lease, what was ahead, it would have been a whole different decision than being in it, like full in it and having to decide what are you, you're standing in the middle of, of what feels like quicksand. Are you going to go back to that side or keep going and hope there's another side? So it, it now great experience at the time, didn't feel like it and would have been an easy time to quit.
0: Yeah. That's, you know, what's interesting is I think back, that's about the time we got introduced. And yes. we, had, when we had a couple of conversations on the phone and timing just never quite worked out. And, right. and, and now I understand why, man, this would be a nice, maybe we'll do this interview someday. But really, let's just make, let's get this, this, this more, this, this headier stuff figured out, right? Right. Um, absolutely. So, you know, those kind of things are easy to look back on and, uh, and see maybe what you might do differently if you had it to do over again. And, you know, and hindsight, being 2020, 20, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't encourage you to do that too much. At the same time, are there insights that you think you could pull from that that you could turn around and look forward with? So instead of just looking backwards and saying, oh, you know, I wish I had done this, this and this that you could never possibly foresee if you were going through a similar circumstance again. Are, can you look at some of the, the things that are maybe triggering events or or things that should have clued you in to a different path that maybe you missed because it was your first time.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think that there's always some of that. There's always that like, ah, my gut kind of went off here. I probably should have listened to that. Um, I know better than to not listen to my gut or, um, I wish I had researched this a little bit further, but I guess one of the things that, um, I've learned in life from the things that, especially, you know, getting sick and was, that was a pretty horrific experience to be at that point where you really thought you were going to die and not see your child grow up um, and have everyone around you believe that. And yet at the same time, had that not happened, everything that I'm up to in life now, wouldn't be so for me. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I try to take those experiences and, Value them because they're the most useful thing that can happen not only in life, but also in business because they're the moment that you say, oh, we don't have a system in place for this. We absolutely need to think that through. And hopefully you see that before it happens, but that's not always the way life is. And yeah, yeah. there might be something down the road that that's causing you to turn away from the closed door and look for an open door that you had no idea was even behind you. Um, so I think reframing how we look at experiences that are we're bumping up against um and really getting that this is this is the listen moment this is the moment where opportunity is about to happen i have to be ready for the opportunity when it feels like oh my gosh there's no opportunity here um is kind of the the trick to that for me
0: i like that phrase the listen moments yeah um is that yours did you did you did you, have you coined that phrase?
1: Um, I might've just made that up just now, Jason. I love it. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I love it. Um, because I think life is full of those, those moments where we need to listen. Um, so one more question. I think this is becoming a standard for folks that have listened to, to a couple of podcasts, but, um, this, it, the, these conversations are for the hustlers of the world, the people that are, that are out there trying to learn something new every day. Um, I think they're, they're often up-and-comers. They're not the household names, obviously. Um, driven folks, sometimes entrepreneurs uh, like yourself uh, who own a company or are starting a company or considering starting a company, sometimes entrepreneurial within a, a larger organization uh, like myself where we own our outcomes, we own something about what we're doing every day. And I like to ask guests, what advice do you give to those folks, those those hustlers and up and comers, to to get where they're trying to go?
1: Yeah, I for me it would be get yourself connected to and aligned with as many successful entrepreneurs as you possibly can. Because they're the people that at the end of the day wanna talk business at a cocktail party. They're the ones that wanna help you dream. They see the possibility, they see that the, the things that you might run into. And if, if you're willing for them to be honest with you can be some of your best, um, advisors, it's really easy to talk to people that, you know, that you're comfortable with, but if they're not entrepreneurial, sometimes if there's this sense of, if it's that easy, then everyone would be doing it. And it's certainly not easy, but you can get your ideas your thoughts your energies kind of squashed if you're not careful by talking to people who um, have some sort of conversation that's already stopping or limiting themselves from doing what they're passionate about or doing what they feel called or starting a business or it might not be what they want for their life and uh, it takes a lot it takes it, it it takes it sucks your entire being up to be a business owner for sure there's not a time where it turns off there's no um, Monday through Friday, even eight to eight, it's at two o'clock in the morning, you're still thinking about something within it. And unless yep. you are there, I don't think you can get why someone would be there. It's it's hard to um, it's hard sometimes, I think, for family and friends to really connect and understand the level that it takes to to. Um, be invested and why you might be thinking about it all the time so aligning yourselves with people that you really can dialogue with that get what you're thinking get what you're going through and can really give you good valuable um, advice or feedback whether or not you follow it whether or not it's um, useful it's just kind of nice to have those connections to really uh, to really have a place to put things at minimum
0: right right yeah, I, I completely agree. So, thank you so much for your time uh, this morning, Ashley. Um, we, I, I'm really excited to put this uh, uh, put this episode of Hardway NBA out there and get some feedback. Uh, when when folks listen to this and they're like, I got to talk to Ashley about, you know, either the food that she might be able to help me eat and, and you know bring bring to me, or or just want to connect on a business level. What's the best way for them to, to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our phone number is 314-910-3324, or you can find us on the web at feedyourvitality.com.
0: And one of the things that I ask folks to do uh, is to reach out and tell Ashley something that you're going to take away from this conversation. Ashley, I've noticed that you're on Twitter. That might be a great way to do it. Um, is it at Feed Your Vitality?
1: It is at Feed F as and Frank E E D U R Vitality V I T A L I T Y. Wow.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I will put that in the show notes. Um, but you know, shoot a tweet out to the world and tell Ashley, hey, I just listened to the Hard Way MBA podcast and I learned this thing that I'm going to put into practice tomorrow. Uh, that's going to help me change my business or change my life or whatever it might be um thank you all so much for your time uh, ashley certainly thank you and uh and good luck as we get into these holiday seasons and uh, we're all thinking a little bit more about what we're eating or at least we should be <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jason. Once again, you're here all the way at the end. Thank you for sticking around, folks. Uh, Ashley is phenomenal. Uh, guys, we're we're getting into the holiday season. Your diet's going to get a little bit wonky. You need to be thinking about that, how you're going to manage that, how, how are you going to have the best energy you can to be the best person you can to achieve your objectives uh, in 2015. Finish out 2015 strong and head into 2016. Along those lines, you need to be thinking about an attack plan. If you've listened to the last few episodes, you stayed to the very end. This is not the first time you've heard this. Head over to hardwaymba.com 2016 plan. My ideal here, guys, is you have a business plan. You have personal plans. You need one framework that contains everything that you're trying to accomplish. You need a way to be able to prioritize and live one life. It's it, it's all the race to talk about work-life balance. I personally don't believe in it. I believe you have one life, live it. So take a look at this framework. Let me know what you think. Uh, tweet it out. Be candid at hardwaymba.com or Jason at hardwaymba.com. Uh, so listen, folks. The uh, this this podcast is very important that we get your feedback. So if you have If you have uh, topics you'd like to hear about, things you feel like you need to learn to advance your career, step up that corporate ladder, uh, let me know what they are. If you've got guests that you think would be a great addition to the show, please shoot me a note, Jason at HardwayMBA.com, and again on Twitter, at HardwayMBA. I look forward to hearing from you. Make it a great day.